Today's podcast is brought to you by Joe Biden's revolutionary new health care plan, Joe Obamacare. Joe Obamacare, it's different, we swear. Take a word for it and don't compare. Joe Obamacare. Treat those shingles with our catchy jingles. Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest, he is the mayor of the most ethnically diverse square mile in America. They call it the Ellis Island of the South. I'm talking about Clarkston, Georgia. And he announced his bid for uh, to unseat Senator Sonny Perdue in the great state of Georgia. I'm talking about Mayor Ted Terry. Thank you so much for being my guest, Mayor Ted. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. Um, although I got I got bad news for you, I'm not running against Sonny Perdue. It's David Perdue. Although I'd love to run against Sonny Perdue. Also. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> I need to redo this whole open now. That's fine. I can. That's what editing's for, right there. Um, <laughs> is that his? Is that his son? Is that is son, son, Sonny? Is the cousin of David's? I feel like with the last name of Purdue, there's a, it's a family business they're running over there. So, well, oh, yeah, they've, they've, run, they've run many failed uh, family businesses. <laughs> well, um, thanks so much for being my guest. Uh, I, before we get going too far, though, I gotta ask. I mean, uh, I want to point something out. You're 36 years old, okay? You're the Democratic mayor of a relatively small town in the state of, of Georgia, which has long been considered a red state. And from what I can tell, you have very good hair. So I'm just wondering, why are you selling yourself short by running for the Senate when you could just as easily run for president of the United States and steal the spotlight from Mayor Pete? I know, right? I mean, you know, look, Mayor Pete is one year older than I am. And um, so I got, I got to defer to my elders, um, <laughs> you know, on, on this one. Um, but, uh, but no, you know, I've been mayor for six years now. Um, I've, uh, you know, quite frankly, I've learned a lot about governing, about um, how to work, you know, in a, in a divided, um, you know, council. You know, when I was elected mayor 30 years old uh, and I beat a, uh, an incumbent mayor 40 years older than I was. Um, would it surprise you that the city council wasn't so thrilled that I would that I won, and I uh, literally had to fight tooth and nail for four years to get a lot of the progressive things that I wanted to get done done. Um, but you know what? You just when you have when you have power, when you have uh, the ability to make change, um, you you fight for it and you don't give up. And so uh, so yes, I, I I'm taking my my experience and. And desire for change uh, to, to to the urgency uh, for action to the U.S. Senate because I think it's, that's exactly where we need it right now. Um, we've got a lot of great people running for president. Um, I have a lot of like I have like my top five, like a lot of people do. Um, and um, but if we can uh, flip the Senate, if we can flip the now, there's two Senate seats that are going to be open in Georgia. Um, I'm running against David Perdue. Uh, his term, uh, he's finishing his first term. And if we can flip that seat, Senate seat, then we'll have a Democratic Senate that can, you know, hopefully pass a lot of the bills that the House Democrats have passed when it comes to um, universal background checks on guns, um, on reforming our democracy, making it more transparent, um, you know, lessening the impact of dark money in our politics. Um, and then if we have a Democratic president, we could really get a lot of positive things done for the country, I think. And, and, and I, I want to ask you, before we get to the Senate race, like how just how have you been able to do that in a place like Clarkston, Georgia? I mean, I don't know 
Like I know Georgia a little bit. I don't know Clarkston as much, but I mean, in your time as mayor, you kind of alluded to this a minute ago, but you've been able to push for same-sex marriage. You've passed a $15 minimum wage. You made election day a holiday. Uh, you've decriminalized weed. I mean, I live out in Oakland, California, but I feel like from what I can tell, Clarkston may be more Oakland than Oakland. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, we're doing what's right. Um, you know, look, I've, for, for years I've heard and, and I've, I've known people who were caught up in the, uh, in the mass incarceration, uh, just the, 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 the need to reform our criminal justice system. And so when I, you know, when you have power, when you're a mayor and you say, look, here's something that we can do. Now we can't legalize marijuana, but we can decriminalize, which means we made it a ticket only offense. Because you don't get arrested. You get a $75 ticket. It's basically like a parking fine. Um, and it's something that's not going to, you know, be a life ruining arrest. And so when we discovered and did our legal research and we're clever with our, with our, our policy making, um, you know, at first we had the Republican governor a few years ago saying that, you know, what we were doing was illegal, was wrong, that you know, they were intonating that they were going to send state patrol officers to Clarkston to arrest people for simple possession of marijuana, which never happened, of course. They said Clarkston will become a drug haven, which never happened. And today we've got 10 other cities in Atlanta who have followed our same ordinance uh, template, uh, which now covers almost a million people in Georgia with this protection of decriminalization. Uh, of, of simple possession. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's it's, it's just the right thing to do. And you could say, is, is, it a, is it a liberal? Is it a conservative thing? You know, I've talked to so many young conservatives and I've had people like literally like stop me like on the campaign trail or just even because they recognize me out, you know, wherever I am in Georgia. And they'll say, you're the mayor that decriminalized marijuana. I'm a conservative Republican, but I would vote for you because that is really important. And I really support that. And for me, it's, you know, maybe it's generational. Um, maybe are just, there's enough young people mixed with enough older generations who, you, who have been wanting this for years and years now that we have a critical mass in this country. And even in Georgia that are saying, we've got to change the rules on how we, um, we've got to change the world drugs, right? It's been a failure. Um, and so, you know, all, all these other things, election day is a holiday. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer, you know, like let's give people the day off you know, to go vote. What's the big deal about that? You know, $15 minimum wage. Well, in Clarkston, we're in Metro Atlanta and the economists have all studied. They say in order to live in Atlanta, to pay for housing, transportation, food, you know, childcare, all the things you need to pay for to live in Atlanta, you got to have at least $15 for, for a full-time job. And so these are things that, you know, like the Republicans will say, you know, these are radical and socialist, but I think it's just smart policy and it's just very like reasonable practical things that you know should be done because there's a lot of people out there that are suffering and we're elected to we're elected as leaders to try to um to make things better right and and, and it's you know some of the things you've done remind me you know on a national scale of what President Obama was able to do in, in passing Obamacare the Affordable Care Act I mean it, because it's it's one of those things where he faced a ton of resistance prior to it, both by you know the Republican Senate or you know, by Republicans in the Senate and the House, but also just regular people were just voters were it was it was a new thing. They were worried about losing their health care and all that kind of stuff. Once they realized they actually had, you know, there was a larger access to, to health care and it saved a lot of people's lives. Now it's something that it can't really be taken away. You know, it's it's a winning issue now for Democrats. But my question to you is, 
it seems like you've been able to do these things. And, and I imagine like, it sounds like they've been well-received at least, you know, weed, but like how, how was it going in? You know, how did you get elected in the first place in a place like, like Georgia and Clarkston? I mean, is it, is it kind of naturally fairly progressive or were you able to run on these ideas initially? Like, how did you convince people like, you know, somebody vote for me versus the guy who's 40 years older than you? You know, local politics is, is it's, it's interesting. I, I would argue that local politics and local elected office actually has more power and more to do with your day-to-day lives than president, senate, congress, governor even. Um, I mean, we're dealing with police, with potholes, with parks, with schools, with all the things that you encounter just where you live. And so, you know, as a result, you know, when you run for local office, you knock on the doors of, um, you know, of people. Uh, and, um, and most of them are like, wow, I, I didn't even uh, know there was an election coming up (laughs) or I don't even know who my mayor is because the turnout in these elections are around 20%, you know, on average. And so just the, the effort of going out and talking to people, you know, and doing a lot of listening, you know, I didn't go to the door and say, here's, I want to decriminalize marijuana. I want to make $15 minimum wage. I didn't didn't go with all these things I was going to do. I actually went to say, hey, you know, what do you like about living in Clarkston? What are things that you would like to see change? And I just did a lot of listening. And I think that's something that's um, quite frankly missing in our politics today is uh, politicians do too much tweeting. They do too much talking and not enough listening. Um, And so my, you know, my philosophy is as a uh, as a public servant, is you're there to represent the people, and particularly when you're running for a local office. You know, in Georgia, a local office is nonpartisan, so I don't run as a Democrat or Republican. I just run as myself, and it's myself and the ideas and the and the effort to to listen to people and bring people together. Um, and um, and so I just you know I did a lot of listening, um, and you know I got honestly I got you know I got 52% of the votes. Um, and it was because I did a lot of that listening. Um, Clarkson's very diverse. As you mentioned, we have, you know, people who have come from, you know, 40 different nationalities speaking 60 different languages. Um, and, uh, I, you know, recognize early on that a lot of people from our international community uh, didn't come to city council meetings and just didn't really seem to be engaged in, um, you know, in the community. And so I made an effort to, to reach out to certain groups. And, and in particular, I actually connected, I had a, uh, an intern on my campaign who, um, whose parents were Vietnamese refugees. And in Clarkston, the first refugees we received over 40 years ago were from Vietnam. They were people who fled after uh, the, the Vietnam War. They were part of the South Vietnamese um, refugees that left after North Vietnam, you know, took over. Um, and, you know, so I translated my flyer into Vietnamese. I, you know, went into the, went to the Vietnamese Buddhist temple, the Vietnamese Baptist church. And I, I sat in the living rooms of some of the Vietnamese elders and just listened to them. And they basically said the same thing that a lot of voters said, well, you know, no one ever asked us what we thought. No one ever involved us, you know, in the government. Um, but we really appreciate you coming by. And, and, and they, they said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll consider voting for you. <laughs> hey. You know, but I'll, but I'll never forget oh, um, on election day, Clarkston um, at the time, we've gotten a little, we've, we've expanded the city since then, but at the time we only had one voting precinct and it was at the International Bible Church and it was in the gymnasium and there's one sort of like little corridor and one parking lot where everyone goes and parks. You have to sort of walk to this corridor to get to the polling place and there's always this wall of candidates 
you know, out in front trying to get last minute votes. And, and I'm out there, you know, same as all the other candidates, you know, trying to meet people who I hadn't had a chance to meet with. And I'll never forget over the course of the entire day, you know, dozens and dozens of these um, older Vietnamese, you know, voters deliberately walk around the wall of candidates and as they are walking around, they sort of look at me and give me a little wink and a nod and a little thumbs up and then just, you know, go, go right into voting. And I knew I was like, you know, what? I think I might win this election. Um, and um, and I got 52 percent of the vote, which in Clarkston we're talking about, you know, that's like, you know, a few dozen votes from from losing, basically. Okay. Um, and so just my effort of inclusion, my effort of you know trying to go and meet with the people, you know, really paid off. And I wouldn't have won if I hadn't done that. And so that informs my strategy, my the way I approach everything, um, you know, as an elected leader, as a public servant, is you have to go and listen to the people. You have to do all you can uh, to engage, and particularly people who you might not agree with on everything. And that's something that's really crucial, I think, that's actually missing for our politics. We're really, it's really easy to stay in your silo and only listen to the people that you that already agree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, let's challenge ourselves, you know, to, to venture out beyond our comfort zone and to be around people that, you know what, they might have different opinions. I'm not saying we have to agree with them, we have to acknowledge uh, you know, where we have to accept, um, you know, everything, but where there is a place for dialogue in our society where, which means simply the, the, the intent is to listen, um, not to persuade, but to understand. The Today's podcast is brought to you by a democratic firecracker, Tim Ryan. While he may look like he's constantly fighting off acid reflux, he's really just straining to find ways to improve the lives of everyday Americans. Also, there might be a little reflux in there, one can't be sure, but mostly it's just the bubbling acid of American freedom. Tim Ryan. Everybody wanna rag on Trump. I don't know if I can get enough. You are, you're running for the Senate. So like, how do you, how do you try to talk to people? I mean, obviously it's at a much larger level. You're talking about the entire state now. Like, how do you plan to like, what's, what is the tactic that you take at this point uh, to try to take what you've done on a kind of a micro level in Clarkston, but, but be able to make it because it's obviously it's, it's much harder to talk to every voter that way. You know, it's harder to like go around and, you know, don't get me wrong. You may get some people at the polling station, like giving you all a wink, but like, does that, how do you, how do you translate that? I guess on a, on a larger scale. Well, you know, it's a couple of things. I mean, number one, I have a democratic primary and so I'm spending most of my time, you know, trying to meet with, you know, democratic groups and progressive groups because, you know, they're inviting me and that's, you know, that's, they want to hear from the Democrats um, running. Um, and, you know, I mean, look, we live in the age of social media, um, you know, I, uh, you'll see, you'll be, if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you will be seeing lots of videos <laughs> of me out around Georgia talking to people. And so I'm going to, you know, relay my experiences on, so I'm going to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations, you know, here on where I'm at right now on Jekyll Island on the coast, um, over in, you know, Hey Hira, South Georgia, up in Rabin County in North Georgia and in, in parts of Atlanta. And, you know, I'm going to meet people and they're going to have really interesting things to say, really interesting things that I'm going to want to share. And so I'm going to, you know, either relay what I, 
what I learned and what I heard from people, or I'm going to invite them to come on, you know, this, this selfie video with me and, and, uh, you know, introduce them and talk about the things that they're concerned about. Um, and, you know, use the power of social media to take these, these personal, um, you know, intimate conversations we're having about the future of our state and our country and making sure that a broader audience is hearing them. Cause I feel like uh, what I've noticed is the more that you, like listen to people and the more you go around you start hearing kind of you start hearing sort of the, the, the same thing over and over again you start hearing similar trends um and then you really get a sense for what you know for what people are really looking for um and i think it and sometimes it, it, it it'll surprise you about what people are, are actually concerned about um and so that's the kind of approach i'm going to take is is, is you know i'm going to con- continue that retail politic and um but you know we got to use the technology the social media uh, in, in this digital age to um, to amplify it, to get to more people. I like that. Mayor Ted Terry taking Georgia by storm one selfie video at a time. Uh, I, uh, I love it. So I, I want to ask you a little bit more about the primary and, and what you're going up against uh, in, in that. But uh, before we get to that, like I said, you accomplished a lot. I mean, you did some very progressive things with the minimum wage, um, you know, making election day a holiday, decriminalizing weed. But like, I think one of your biggest accomplishments, and this is just my opinion, but you appeared on season two of Queer Eye. And uh, just tell me about, I mean, because that is like, is it possible they could maybe have you back now that you're running for the Senate? Like that is one way to get a little more press, maybe not with a selfie video, but tell me about that experience and uh, was it as fabulous as it looked? (laughs) Well, first of all, I don't think they're going to, I don't think Netflix is going to have you on their show anytime soon because they're a corporation and you know corporations can't get involved direct directly in campaigns so i probably would not be on queer Eye what if they soon. just funneled it through the Koch brothers would you accept that if they just funneled the sh- i mean come on yeah no no corporate pack money no corporate lobbyist money so i'm just gonna if they offer that i'm just gonna say no thank you um now of course now <laughs> once i'm elected to the senate and bobby uh burke wants to help me you know redesign my my senate office you know on the budgets you know within budgets yeah um, um, I would love to have him, you know, help me out with that. You know, Karamo and Jonathan can help me get ready for my inauguration and, <laughs> and you know, first, you know, first floor speech. Um, I could have Anthony come into the the Capitol dining room and we could like, you know, whip up a, you know, a, a meal for all the senators. Oh, um, Tan will get me dressed for it. You know, so yeah, I'll, I'll totally welcome that. Um, you know, they, 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 they they've been very supportive. I don't know if you if, if you re- if you remember there was a nice little line. Um, that Jonathan said sort of early on in that episode where he was talking about Ted's going to be governor or senator one day. Um, and then, you know, here I am running for Senate. Um, so John, <laughs> Jonathan Van Ness called it. Um, but, um, but you know, those, those guys were amazing. It was an amazing experience. Um, you know, when they came to Clarkston, they were, they were, they, they knew they wanted to do show the diversity of, you know, of Atlanta. And so Clarkston is a diverse community in the Metro Atlanta region. And so they kind of found me and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> but here, go talk to these people over here. They're doing great things in the community. They'd be great heroes to highlight. And 
so, you know, they kind of went around, but they kept coming back to me and, you know, they were like, look, you know, we just, we think that, um, you know, we think this would be a positive experience. It's not a gotcha reality show. Um, you know, they filmed the first two seasons back to back. So I had never even seen Queer Eye. I'd seen the, the original one 15 years ago, but I didn't know any of these guys. I didn't know anything about them. Um, but upon meeting them, you know, spending that week with them, um, they were, you know, kind, compassionate, funny, just fun to be around, um, really well-meaning. And like the whole show, just that the, the, the apparatus around being um, accepting um, and encouraging and trying to and, you know, push people to be their best selves and to recognize that they have you know, they, the power that they have, um, I think is just so inspirational. And so it inspired me, uh, you know, to, to, to one, to participate, you know, to take the plunge. And I said, you know, I literally was like, well, you know, as a politician, I embarrass myself on a daily basis. Uh, so this will be like, <laughs> no, this will be like you know, any other week in my yeah. life. Um, so I just, you know, I sucked it up and did it. Um, and, uh, you know, and it was very inspirational just, you know, later on, obviously, when, you know, when, when our um, wonderful um, governor candidate, Stacey Abrams, decided not to run for Senate, um, I knew that I had to, to get in to, you know, really um, represent the progressive voice um, in the race. Um, and, you know, currently, I, you know, I think the two other candidates running on the Democratic side, you know, are, are former Republicans, quite frankly. They have admitted they're or from Republicans, um, and that's a great. I'm glad that Republicans are coming over to the Democratic Party. Um, but you know, I'm from the generation um, that is so t- sick and tired of politics as usual. Um, we, we, you know, my 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 friends, my cohort, my peers, we think politicians are all full of shit. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, my, my philosophy is: it's great. Tell me what you believe. It's great that now you're a Democrat. Now that you're a big progressive, uh, but I'm not going to only believe what you say. I'm going to look at what you've done. And then I will know where you stand. And that is my message is don't, you know, don't even, don't even believe what I say. You know, just look at what I've done as mayor of Clarkson. Look what I've done as the director of the Georgia Sierra Club fighting for clean energy in Georgia. What I've done as the campaign director for the Georgia AFL-CIO fighting for labor unions. Um, helping train hundreds of candidates, young and diverse candidates, to run for local office and state house and state senate over the last 15 years. You know, I have been an ad- activist and an advocate, you know, for my entire adult life. Um, and a progressive, you know, the entire time fighting for these, these changes. And so people know where I, know where I stand. Because they can just look at what I've done, you know, over the last, you know, almost 20 years now. Well, and it seems like, you know, I, I always... I always struggle with this when it comes to different types of Democrats. You see this on the national level right now with, with Joe Biden and some of the others, where it's like their their record versus, you know, maybe what what they like what do they believe versus like what they've done in the past, what they've said. And when you maybe it's it's a generational thing, but you just seem like somebody who just doesn't give a damn as far as, you know, looking at necessarily like what what do the polls say? You know, what does you know, holding out your finger and saying which way is the wind blowing? Like you just don't seem to give a shit That's when right. it comes to that. Am I, am I right? Or, or, well, yes, I, I, I have my, I have my principles. They haven't wavered, um, since I got involved in, you know, in politics and our democracy and activism when I was, you know, in a freshman in college. Um, but you know, actually, you're, it's, it's funny, you know, my, the other thing that's, uh, the big, the big, uh, uh, sort of like you know um, line coming from the Republicans is all all these Democrats are socialists. They're bringing socialism to Georgia. They're bringing socialism to America. 
And so, of course, the media is like, "Well, Ted, are you a are you a socialist Democrat?" And and to you know to counter your point a little bit, I'm you know I'm I'm a Democrat that gives a damn, and I'm a Democrat that gives a damn about people living in poverty, about people who can't afford their rent, about people who can't afford um, the the college debt or their health care premiums or their deductibles. I give a damn about the planet. I give a damn about people that are suffering, um, and I'm a Democrat that gives a damn. And so, you know, you're going to see some bumper. You're going to see some bumper stickers coming out, some, some merch coming out in a couple of weeks, uh, uh, you know, about being a Democrat, you know, being a Democrat that gives a damn. Um, and that's, that's our message is that, you know, it doesn't matter about what the, the poll numbers say. It doesn't matter about how much corporate money is going to flood into these elections. We know that the, the core values of the Democratic Party that care for people um, and our society um um, is is a strong and winning message, and I think that um, I think there's a lot of voters out there that have been waiting for it, and they, they honestly they haven't um, you know been engaged, they haven't been inspired. There are a lot of people out there that say both parties are the same, you know, and oh you know what's the difference? They all take corporate money, and so that's you know one of, one of the things that we're really you know staking a claim to is you know we're not being funded by corporate PACs or corporate lobbyists. This is a you know a, a people powered campaign. See. It's just so much easier to take that pack money, though, Ted. I mean, isn't it? Can't you just, just can't? You know what? Just Netflix and chill, okay? Just Netflix. Just watch yourself on Netflix. Let the let the corporate pack money come in. Chill out. Don't give a damn. Um, that's what they've been doing. That's what we've been doing for two years. So we're gonna try something different. <laughs> no, no, and, and I, I meant it as as you don't necessarily care about the polling or the how it, you know, yeah. th- that that type of politically, you know, driven crap that that you see all the time. But clearly, uh, <laughs> I set you up for that one, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Justin, I do give a damn, and that's going to be on a bumper sticker on every car in the state of Georgia, you asshole. Yes, anyone can order it online at tedforgeorgia.com. It'll be up in two weeks. It'll, you know, and our, you know, our, this is the nature of merch these days, uh, Justin, is you got to charge a lot for it because it's also a fundraiser. Yeah. So, so please don't be, don't send me nasty grams if the bumper sticker costs $20. Um, it's a fundraiser. You know, it's meant to, to help me raise money because I, you know, because I need a lot of money. You got to raise at least $2 million to win a primary for U.S. Senate. And we're going to need like $22 million, uh, to win this uh, general election in 2020 so well um i if if there's anybody who can do it i think it's you i mean you i I talked to andrew gillum right before uh the primary and i think he was in like fourth or fifth place or something like that uh the guy ends up winning the primary and obviously he's he's uh you know when you talk to somebody and they're an impressive person it's it's cool but then when you see them kind of blow up and you 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 find other people get that too it's it's just a really cool thing Today's podcast is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Capital Chill, DC's dopest spot for sweet treats. Back again, apparently with tons of cash to burn on podcast advertising. New flavors for summer include AOC Acai, the Alex Jones, which is just a large bowl of ice cream with four times the daily recommended dose of caffeine with a dash of cocaine and commercial grade gasoline. And our best seller, the Chili Bill Bar, 
which is just a cup of ice chips. Uh, but at $1, you can't beat that price. Mention the podcast and get two free Muller crullers. These things are so dry, we can't give them away. Life is not a movie. It's just a phase. Everybody's searching inside a maze. Never will be perfect, but we can um, My last question for you. Uh, first of all, I've been calling you Mayor Ted the whole time, so... Yeah, I hope that, right. I hope that's okay. Yeah. I hope that's all right. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last well, actually, two more. One is serious, which is how do you, you know, we've seen like you mentioned, Stacey Abrams. I mean, she was one voter suppression tactic away from becoming governor. Uh, Beto O'Rourke in Texas, Gillum in Florida, like these progressive people in conservative states. Um, trying to break through. How do you? How do you go a little extra mile and and break through? I know you've got to get through the primary, but how do you still separate yourself and and do maybe something that that those folks have done such a great job, but they haven't been able to break through yet? Well, you know, look. I mean, you brought up Stacey Abrams, and I think her strategy um, uh, for her governor's race was was spot on. Um, you know, she recognized um, that there was a lot of people uh, who just weren't uh, voting. They weren't being engaged. And so, so Georgia, Georgia is a democratic state. All right. Like the numbers are there. If you look at the, if you look at whether they're demographics or they're looking, you look at voter participation, you look at young voters, um, you look at just the, the state of um, the under 40 year old voting population, you know, Georgia, the Georgia of 2000 doesn't exist anymore. Um, and so, so, you know, a, a big part of the campaign strategy is to just run as a Democrat. You know, I'm not going to try to pretend to be, you know, Oh, I'm conservative on this or conservative. I'm just going to be myself and, you know, and be authentic and run on my record. And, you know, look, I mean, there's a couple things that I've done as mayor of Clarkson that I've done um, with the labor unions, I've done with the Sierra Club, that I think, quite frankly, a conservative and, you know, even in rural voters, you know, find to be, I think, very compelling. Number one, uh, our number one natural resource in Georgia is the sun. And so we should be investing in solar energy a um, hundred times more than we currently are. Um, and um, that investment is going to actually go out to pl- parts of Georgia that have been long forgotten. And so we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars um, in new investment, clean energy investment that will create tens of thousands of jobs, um, create vital, you know, increased revenue for um, school systems and hospital systems out in rural Georgia that are struggling. Um, um, and this is what you know. People talk about is they want to have opportunity to come back to, you know, their communities, and we can do that by investing in the clean energy economy, um, and then also you know just compassion for refugees. Um, you know, I, I meet so many um, uh, you know people from all faiths, um, um, but I meet lots of conservative Christians who come to Clarkston um, because they have a heart and compassion for refugees, um, and you know that's something that you know I, I think has has always been up until recently with, you know, until recently, uh, President Trump's administration um, has been a bipartisan uh, issue. And so, you know, we have the most, one of the most anti-immigrant senators and David Perdue. And I think there's a lot of people out there who actually um, recognize that the strength that we have in Georgia is our immigrant population um, and that what they bring um, 
through a workforce, through innovation, through the, the jobs that they create, through their own economic output, um, and just, you know, being a part of the community, it makes it more vibrant. And so I think, you know, there's, there's areas there where I think that we can, you know, win people over. Um, if you look at the, the, the trade war and the, the, the pain it's causing some of our agricultural um, sectors of the economy in Georgia, um, you know, there, there's, there's opportunities there to sort of ask the question, you know, is Donald Trump, is David Perdue, are they, uh, you know, truly representing Georgia or are they representing, you know, their own self-interests? Um, and so, you know, there's an opportunity there to draw that contrast. And, and my last question for you, um, as mentioned before, you're a young guy who you, I know you've been in politics now for a while, though. Uh, we talked before this, but I mean, you grew up in Tallahassee or you're born in Tallahassee. You, uh, you went to school at the University of Florida, which I went to Florida State. And I mean, I think that just shows, well, it just shows that, I mean, you're a smart guy, but smart people make mistakes. Um, but, but I mean, let me ask you: How did you decide? And like, at a, you're you're like, how did you decide to get into politics? How did you decide to, that public service was your thing? Were yeah. your parents involved? I mean, what, where did that come from necessarily? Because um, I think it it's I always just get surprised sometimes when I see people um, who just who do give a damn, especially young people who give a damn. Yeah. Well. Um I'll just be very honest with you. I got involved in politics for a girl. Uh, Wait, for a girl? girl? For a girl, yeah. My girlfriend at the time, or my, my new girlfriend at the time, um, in high school, uh, she would invite me over, or she, she did on occasion, invite me over to her grandparents' house for Sunday dinner, and her family would talk about politics, and about the things they had read that week, and I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, I wanted to impress the girlfriend, um, and so I began to read and the more I read, the more I was like, holy crap, there's all this awful, these awful things happening in the world and there's people who have power and they're not doing anything about it. Um, you know, couple that with the fact that I was in high school when Columbine happened, you know, I'm from the school shooting generation. I've grown up my entire life with this, you know, reality that we live in, that other generations and people live in, that, you know, at any moment, you know, you could be the victim or in a situation of a mass shooting. Um, and then my, the final thing that really probably kind of, you know, sort of cemented my uh, sort of just, just, rea- just, just reality about what, you know, the world is, is um, September 11th. I was a freshman in college. Um, I was, you know, it was September 11th. So I was literally, you know, four weeks at college in my dorm room, wake up on September 11th and realize that we've been attacked. And, and then just everything that followed after that, you know, with the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war, and then all of the things that, you know, really, you know, became, as they became more clear were a huge mistake and, you know, really squandered an opportunity um, to bring people together. Um, and so I just, you know, felt like that, you know, if we had, if the right leaders were, you know, in place at the right time, we could have really charted a, a different course in world events instead of spending trillions of dollars and, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives, uh, uh, lost, um, you know, we could have actually potentially charted a course towards uh, a more compassionate and, you know, and, and a more, you know, uh, a more uh, cohesive uh, world. And we just didn't do that. And so, you know, I, I've always thought that if I, 
you know, could get in there and be an elected official. And I had that seat at the table that I would use it to promote peace, to promote um, compassion, to promote bringing people together as opposed to war um, and dividing us and tearing us apart. Well, I, I think that um, you make just you make excellent points and, and your passion is is so obvious and uh, you're extremely impressive candidate. I've talked to a lot of different candidates over the last year and a half and um, I just like your energy and your enthusiasm and, and your record, you know, your ability to make change happen in Clarkston and I just, I, I hope for the best for you and the fact that I, I don't know if this is, if it was breaking news to the outside world, but the fact that you got into politics because of a girl is definitely something I'm going to be adding to your Wikipedia page so that the next podcast interviewer that you, you talk talk with make sure to to address that point uh, hey man the, hey the, the best things in life um happen because of love yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i think that's a great way to end it on the best things in life happen because of love uh mayor ted uh terry uh mayor ted you're mayor ted to me at least um yes thanks so much for being my guest and uh i really uh, appreciate it and and hope for the best people can check you out where, where do they go what website do they go to and twitter where can they find you yeah just check out tedforgeorgia.com uh ted terry one on instagram and twitter and ted for georgia on facebook or just google ted ted terry for senate you'll find me Look at his Wikipedia page. It's going to be updated in a few minutes with his uh, origins of getting into politics, too. So, Do it. Um, I love it. <laughs> and you, by the way, you, you clearly know your social media and your website way better than Joe Biden does. So I got to give you credit there. Uh, That's right. I will not be asking anyone to text text Joe to any, any random number. <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Mayor Ted. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. Have a good one.